Welcome to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. My name is Brandon Adams, lifestyle entrepreneur and inventor, passionate about helping others with creating something great and becoming unforgettable. Each week we discuss helpful tips on becoming a successful entrepreneur and interview other entrepreneurs and inspirational people. Our goal is to help take your business and lifestyle to the next level. Now let's get started. Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. On today's show, we have Thomas Frank, who actually went to college at Iowa State University, my own stomping grounds, and he is a blogger, author, YouTuber, speaker. He founded the company College Info Geek, and what he did is he wanted to start blogging. He did that. One of his blogs took off. Then he got in the YouTube world. And fast forward now, he has over 165,000 subscribers on YouTube. He is killing it in the YouTube world and with his website uh, at collegeinfogeek.com. But you're going to learn a lot about how to blog, how to make money with blogging. You're going to learn how to build a YouTube channel, how to actually create the great video. The different tips he gives is just money on what he gives on advice for YouTubing. And then also, if you're in college right now, it gives you some great tips on how to get on, I gotta get out of college debt with writing uh, any kind of scholarship, uh, sending out for scholarships. And also, he teaches you other tips on how to have success in college. So, great show. You don't want to want to miss it. A lot of great content here. So let's jump into it with Thomas Frank with College Info Geek. Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. On today's show, we have my buddy Thomas Frank. He's actually a graduate from my home area, college town, Ames, Iowa, Iowa State University. So he has a very interesting story. He targets the same market I do with college kids, and he does a lot of fun stuff on his YouTube channel, blogging. He's an author. He speaks. It, we're, we're a lot alike. We do a lot of uh, things in common and a great guy. But Thomas, I'm excited to hear your story about everything you do. Uh, you're killing it in your business today and uh, the value that you bring to college students Actually, the college students that want to learn it and not just go out and party every night. And there'll be some great advice for the college students to learn how to better with their grades and get out of college debt. But let's hear just your background of what led you to going to Iowa State and how you got into doing college Greek info. <laughs> college Greek info. Geek, college Geek info. I'm sorry. College info geek. Co- oh, college info there geek. There go. we go. Got, got me all flustered there. <laughs> I have that effect on people. I just kind of bore into your soul through the webcam. <laughs> well, hey, like I said before, I was that guy that drank all the time, so I didn't really look at the, the grades. But <laughs> so college info geek. Let's hear about how you got into college info geek. What led you to that? And, yeah, so uh, Iowa State uh, – so Iowa State was, it wasn't like this pinnacle selection out of a ton of colleges I wanted to go to. I remember when I was in high school, I had a dresser full of the mailers you get for colleges. And none of them really interested me, except for the, there was this one. It was like this crazy tech college in Utah where it was like a small thing. And they, they made it sound super cool. It's like this experiential learning thing. And you learn how to code. And it was like a two-year intensive program. And the brochure was the coolest design thing I'd ever seen. But then I, I looked into it and it was like, yeah, there's like 
400 people at this school and 398 of them are dudes. And we're just kind of in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, uh, I'm going to let that one go to the wayside. So I never really toured any other colleges. Um, after my junior year in high school, my friend Ben and I were like, let's just go tour Iowa State and just see what it's about. And we went there to the tour. I loved it. And it was close enough to home that my parents wouldn't like be devastated if I left. Like, and I wasn't, I wasn't one of the kind of kids that wanted to get away from my parents. I just, I wanted to get out of the house at least. Yeah. So I went to Iowa state and it was awesome. And I remember when I was on that tour. And then again, when I did the orientation uh, to like, to get signed up for classes and tour the campus and everything, there were these people wearing these red polos. They called them cyclonades, but I guess like the, the actual term for it is like orientation assistant or this new student orientation coordinator. And I was like, you guys know everything about the university. How do I do what you do? It's like a doe-eyed freshman. They were like, well, during the fall semester, they'll have an application process. You can be a freshman. You can still apply. So do it. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. And I did. And I got hired. And uh, subsequently, the spring semester of my freshman year, there was like two classes per week where we had to go and get trained to do this job. And that entailed learning everything about the college, but also the just the common answers to every question a student like incoming student or parent might have so like you know how how much homework is there going to be how do i organize my time as you know is my kid going to immediately start smoking all the weed and doing all the drugs <laughs> the moment he comes into his dorm and will you police that behavior for me no we won't because you're <laughs> an adult now <laughs> but we had these panels where we had to stand up and just answer these questions and feel these questions and at the same time i was reading this uh these blogs because i discovered life hacker at the end of my high school years and i was like life hacker's awesome i can learn all these cool hacks to work more effectively and i was mainly just looking for things to make my computer run better and look cooler because my goal going into college was to become tank from the matrix and have 500 computer monitors and <laughs> make them all look very cool um but i came across this other blog called hack college and it was like we're like we're life hacker for college so here's how to study better, organize your time better, or make a DIY beer pong table or whatever. And uh, I love that blog. And then near the end of my freshman year, they put out this blog post saying, hey, we're a for students, by students kind of operation. And we've got people graduating, so we're going to kick them out heartlessly, which means we need replacements. So fresh meat, please step up and write us a guest post, send it in. If it's good enough and your application is good enough, then you can become a writer for us. And I was in that stage in my life where I was like, I need all the things for my resume right now. It needs to be 50 pages long or else no one will ever hire me. Uh, and also, I just thought it kind of kind of sounded cool. Yeah, I wasn't a journalism major or anything. So I, I, I was like thinking it was kind of weird that I wanted to be a blogger. But uh, by the same token, it was like a pretty well-known blog. And I was like, it'd be really cool if I could say I'm a writer for Hat College. Yeah. So I stayed up all night writing this guest post, sent it in and then was summarily rejected. Aww. And I think they got a lot of applications. So they were really polite about it. They were just like, we got a ton of applications and we couldn't pick you. Sorry, dude. And I was like, okay, but I don't want to let this post go to waste. So how do I set up my own blog? I'm just going to do it myself, which I did. And uh, just it was kind of like a totally casual thing for the next year. I just wrote as inspiration came to me. There was like, 20 people coming to the site a day. Actually, I didn't even install analytics for the first four months. I didn't know it existed. <laughs> so I had literally no idea 
how many people were on the site. Nobody was commenting back then. So I, I could have been writing for crickets. I have no idea. Just like, eh, I'm just going to build this thing. <laughs> One more blog post equals a cooler website, right? Every yeah. time. And uh, let's see here. I remember my first guest post. I actually, you know, after running the blog for like nine months, I connected with the people who ran Hat College, kind of got, you know, networked with them and everything. And they let me write a guest post. And I remember the first day that guest post went up, 90 people came to the site. And I was like, oh, my God, 90. this is the coolest thing ever, 90 people. Uh, and that just like it just kept fueling my motivation until May of my was it my sophomore year. I had to go home for a summer internship. I was going to live at home. And I was really missing my big dorm desk. So like my, my little writing desk at home was not going to cut it. So I was like, okay, I need to build a desk that's, that's like that big. But what if it hung from chains off of my loft bed so there was storage space underneath of it? So I just went to a Home Depot and I was like, all right, let's see here. Particle board, check. Chains, check. Little eye hook things, check. All right. And then I just took pictures of the whole process, threw it up on the blog as like a fun dorm DIY thing. And... Then a bunch of blogs featured it. Lifehacker put up a post to it. Hat College put up a post to it. And that brought like 4,000 people to the site in a day, wow. which is just like you can't even imagine that kind of a jump when you're getting 20 to 30 a day. And, uh, you know, obviously with any viral spike, most of them don't stick around, but enough stuck around that the new consistent baseline traffic was like enough that it's like, OK, this is a I don't know about successful blog, but a blog that has an audience now. Yeah. So. I spent that summer, uh, my internship let me do flex time. So I did Monday through Thursday, 10 hour days. And then I would come home and write and like only get four hours of sleep a night. And then Fridays, I would just like spend all day writing and trying to design new things and just soaking up as much knowledge as possible. It's just been a ride since then, man. Dude, so that that's interesting. Like you put in that time and I get it like for podcasting too. At, at the beginning, it's like, is anybody listening? Is anybody even <laughs> read? Like, is there anybody out there? And like, you get to your show and you're like, "Tell me, let me know if you you have anything you want in the show, or reach out to me, so I at least know you're here." And podcasting is awful because most people are listening while they're in the gym or like yeah. doing brain surgery or something. So <laughs> they're not gonna like. There's not an occasion to comment right away. They have to remember like, okay, later on today, and they don't go to that website and leave a comment. Like most people. I don't ever comment on podcasts. Never. No. So I, I, get you know, it. I don't expect other people to do it too, which is why I think analytics are so crucial to just know, like for your own sanity. I there agree. Are people at least downloading it. So <laughs> for anybody out there, and I just had a, a kid reach out to me on my podcast and uh, he wanted to know more about blogging and want to do blogging full time. For mm. anyone out there that's interested in that, how do you even start a blog? Like when you wanted to write, like did you just create a site and start blogging on it? Or how do you get into blogging? Well, I had like this, so I guess my foray into blogging in high school, I wrote music reviews for this site called Sputnik Music, which yeah. I still go to. That's my go-to place for uh, new music to discover it. And I just wanted to be part of the community, so I wrote these music reviews, and that was like blogging sort of. Uh, and then there was this site my friend Ben created called The Gathering of Gamers, and it was like this social network for video game players where you could write chronicles and it was like your profile had a little blog on it where you could write your own game reviews so i had a little bit of experience doing that and then i had experimented with wordpress.com as a freshman uh just to keep like an online journal yeah. which i'm really sad because i deleted it oh but i was like 
I wrote about just these adventures I had with friends and stuff. And then I was like, okay, I want to make a legit blog and WordPress.com is really limited. I can't do much with it. It's got like ads on it. So how do I create my own website? Well, I've been making websites, like hand coding them from high school, but blogging was beyond me because you need a database and you need all this crazy stuff. So I was like, there's got to be like a better version of WordPress. And I discovered there's like a self-hosted one. So as long as you have your own web host, which you can get pretty cheaply, then you can install WordPress on it really easily, create your own blog, and then start out super simple, but then go to the moon with customization. So that's what I did. It took me just like an hour to set up my site. I just named it. I think I named it College Info Geek because I wanted to name it like College Beat. It was going to be like this newsy site almost. And then that was taken. So I was just like, College Info Geek. And uh, on a dime, my brain went to, yeah, info. I'll make the site for MIS majors because that's what I am. So like the initial uh, the initial like idea was it's going to focus more on tech. Yeah. And then as I moved on, I was just like, I'm not that interested in tech all the time. So I'm just going to write up whatever I want. But that was that was kind of where the name came from. And yeah, I just kind of went through the little tutorial they have on the WordPress website of how to set it up. It takes like five minutes. And, and now it takes like 30 seconds. So, so you so self-taught yeah, yourself, man. Yeah, total self. Everything, any question I have, I just Google it and that's, find something. You know, that's why when people ask, it's like just Google it because you can find more things on Google and YouTube. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, just look at demonstrations on YouTube, and that leads me to my next topic. So you're big in YouTube now. You just said you have, what, 165,000 subscribers on YouTube. Yeah. You built up that channel. It wasn't always that way. Uh, what did you do? Like, what made you want to get into the YouTube world? And talk about the process of building that audience. Do you do weekly uh, videos? What, what's that look like? Yeah, so I got into YouTube for the same reason I got into podcasts, and that's because I was – into watching videos like the reason i did podcasts is because i discovered some podcasts i'd actually been living listening to podcasts since i was probably 15 there was like this web design podcast that i would listen to while i was trudging through the cornfields in my summer job yeah did you, did you ever tassel yeah corn? no i had an ex-girlfriend <laughs> that did once it, it looked horrible well for anyone that doesn't know it's like it's like 12 hours a day trudging through cornfields pulling the tops off of corn and the sun like the heat from the sun gets trapped in the corn leaves so it's like 110 degrees in there it's muddy it's and miserable it's, but it's wonderful because better than bagging groceries good point and it paid better stand in one place it and paid better and i hate standing in one place doing a mundane thing i'd much rather give me a mundane work that i have to exert myself a lot to do or give me intellectual work i can never be at baseline boredom um but then later in college, I found these podcasts that were related to what I was doing. Like, uh, there was a smart passive income podcast teaching you how to blog better. And I was like, podcasts are cool. So I'm going to start my own. And the same thing happened with video. I just happened to find myself on YouTube more often than I was reading blogs or listening to podcasts for a while. And I was watching like video game channels, um, not like Let's Plays, but I was watching people who would review video games. But they did this really cool editing and they'd like bring in lots of images and jokes and it was just really entertaining and I just couldn't stop watching them. Um, But I didn't know how to do editing that way. And then the bloggers, like the really successful bloggers that I knew, like Pat Flynn or the Fizzle guys, they had this super expensive video equipment because they make all the money, of course. And I was like, well, video is impossible because I don't know how to edit like this and I don't have crazy camera equipment that can blur the background. So mine's just going to look terrible. Then I came across this like fitness dude who had like a million subscribers 
And literally all his videos were, were like one take, him just standing in front of the camera in like a dingy gym, not even a good camera. And he's just like, he had this presence that kept people enthralled. And I was like, people are watching nine minute videos of him just talking one take, no cuts, no nothing. Okay, so I can make a crappy video. I can put it out there. And I had a little bit of video experience. I'd been making videos as a kid and... I had a little summer job stint for a few weeks as a video editor where I got to learn how to use Final Cut, which I don't actually use. But I was like, okay, I'm just going to make a video. And um, I remember my first attempt, I knew I needed lighting, but the only lights I had were desk lamps. I had like one desk lamp and one reading lamp that I could clamp to something. So I tried to do that and I was like, this is insufficient. So I'm going to go build my own light. And I made the mistake of going and buying a high power shop light and then I was like, I need a soft box. So I bought like this cloth covered cardboard hamper from Target, coated it with uh, aluminum foil and then draped like these semi-translucent curtains over it and cut a hole, put the big light in the back. <laughs> Didn't realize that the big light would generate a lot of heat. And like I saw it starting to smoke. Oh, I'm not going to burn my apartment down. OK, not going to do that. So I threw that away. And uh, I found this site that taught me how to make actually good DIY lights, which you can see behind me. They're very simple and I still use them. Yeah. So I got those and I just made a video. Just I, I literally talked. I came up with the idea on the spot and I talked for eight minutes with no cuts, which is insane to me now because now I feel like I need to prepare so much for a video. But then it was just like. I'm going to do a four-step process for making your day more productive. How about wake up early and do night before planning and blah, blah, blah. She talked about it and uh, just threw it up there. And then uh, each week, well, actually, it wasn't even weekly at first. There was there was not even an intention to build a YouTube audio uh, audience at first. The intention was I had seen on the Fizzle blog, they were just like, hey, we're going to throw some videos up occasionally just for fun to kind of spice up the blog content. And I was like, that's cool. Cause I want to make my content more diverse and interesting. Yeah. So it was like, every once in a while guys, I'm going to make a video. It'll be fun. But then like I had so much fun making that first video. And then with the next videos, I was like, I'm going to do some of like that video game tie in stuff. And I started just kind of playing around with the editing. And eventually I was like, this is fun. I'm going to do it every week. Uh, and one of my videos kind of went a little bit viral at one point. And that's kind of what, like, what kind just, of again clicked it? Like for viral, like what kind of views did it get? <clears throat> it was so it was the video. It was called a. I don't feel like it is a mindset for amateurs. I was talking about like how professionals show up and they do their work, even if it's artistic, creative work, on a schedule. And amateurs are the kind of people who are like, I need to be inspired to do my work, which is why they never get anywhere. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it was like an off the cuff video, but. Uh, it got posted to Reddit and did really well there. And it got like 40,000 views in a day. Wow. And I think by the end of that week, it got 75,000 views. And I was smart enough to, after like a few hours that had been on the front page, I was smart enough to put an annotation saying, Hey, uh, Hey Reddit, here's the page I made on my website specifically for you. So I got a bunch of newsletter signups as well from Reddit viewers by saying like, Hey, if you're from here, here from Reddit, here's what my site's all about, which that helped a little bit too. No, but that was like the first video, and then I was just like, "All right, we're making videos every week, full steam ahead." What video was that in? So, how many videos did you make before that video where it actually went viral? Um, uh, let me look real quick. I gotta go to my channel because I don't actually know off the top of my head. It was a pretty early one. 
Um, let's see here. It was definitely before my 10th video. Oh, wow. So, oh. I mean, I had some other videos on my channel, but like I, I consider the start to my YouTube career, the four steps to more productive day video. And so one, two, three, four, five, six. It was the seventh video I made. Wow. And you're right now, you're doing a video a week, right? Yep. Every week. And then occasionally I'll do a second video, like as a special bonus, like a book review or just a small thing. So for anybody looking to start their YouTube channel, uh, tell them what it looks like to put that video together, like the process for you, how long it takes, uh, the equipment you use. And um, I mean, you script it out, basically what it looks like. Yeah, it's definitely changed over the past year and a half. Um, I used to just do a bullet list and then kind of make every point up as I went along. And as I've gone, uh, you know, bigger and just done more videos, I've put more of a focus on doing good research, which I think is kind of like a, a, like a unique selling point in my channel. Yep. So typically now I will script my videos for the most part. So I've got a script. I will put my laptop in front of me with using Evernote's presentation mode so yep. I can see the script pretty easily. And then what I do is um, I have a tough time speaking eloquently in front of the camera when it's rolling. I don't know why. Cause like I can talk to you very easily right now on a podcast and yeah. talking to you in a coffee shop is very easy. But when the camera starts rolling, usually more often than not, I have a tough time. So I will like look at the script and say the line in the most ridiculous voice possible because then I know like there's no pressure. This can never make the final cut because I'm talking like a snooty aristocratic British gentleman or something. <laughs> <clears throat> Quite. And then once I've done it a few times, like the practice is set in and I can say it well in, in front of the camera. So filming can take anywhere between 20 minutes to an hour based on how long the video is. And then I'll cut that footage down to a five to eight minute video. And how long does that take to edit? So I do two editing passes. The first editing, oops, sorry, hit the desk. Um, the first editing pass is like just what I call the rough cut, where I'm just cutting out all the crap, getting it down to the A, the A roll layer. And A roll just means the layer of the person talking when you're filming a person talking. And that will take that doesn't take very long at all. That will take maybe an hour total. And yep. in that time, I also I also put together a little end card, which has like links people can click on. Uh, the, what takes really long is then I get ideas for B-roll, which is any other images or animations or extra ah. footage. That takes forever to do. And where do you find a the B-roll? Uh, a lot of what I do now is I will film myself drawing on the whiteboard. Yep. Which means I point the camera at the whiteboard and then I kneel down beneath it so only you can see my you can only see my arm and then I will cut it up and speed it up so it's like these fast cool little whiteboard animations or I will create animations in After Effects which probably takes the longest out of anything both to design because you got to design it it's like designing something in Photoshop or Illustrator but then you add texture you add lighting you animate it, it takes forever but I love it. Whenever I learn something new in After Effects, it just is awesome. Oh, it is awesome. So let's go through. I am a Pixar animator. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's go through it quick. So what camera do you use? I use a Canon 70D. Yeah, just like me. I should get a sponsorship as many times as I promote that TV. <laughs> um, lighting, you use the lights you created? Yep. And uh, if you go over to Wistia's learning library, they have a DIY light tutorial and my lights are almost exactly the same as theirs. The only improvement I've made over their setup is I bought these uh, table side lamp dimmers, which just plug 
they plug into the wall and then you plug the cord for the light into them and then they can dim your bulbs. And I use dimmable LED bulbs. What kind of software do you use for editing? I use the whole Adobe suite. So Premiere Pro, After Effects, Photoshop, Audition. And then I do want to mention the lens I use is a Sigma F 1.8, 18 to 35 millimeter, which is like an $800 lens. But for $800, it's like $1,500 quality lens. It's worth it. And but then- I... This is the thing. We're talking about gear right now. If you want to start, just film it on a potato. Do Use whatever you have because yeah. this is not what I started out on. I started out on the camera that I had from college so and a Blue Yeti microphone that cost 100 bucks. So start with what you have and you can start build with, up from there. Yeah, I mean, the iPhone takes such good video. Oh, it's, it's better I have than a video. Cameras. So, I mean, I use all this great gear, but I have a video. Uh, I call it sleep schedules versus staying up late. And I filmed this in my garage with the front-facing camera of my iPhone. No mic, no nothing. It was 4 a.m. I was on the way to the airport to go to VidCon, and I was like, I was just about ready to skip that week's video, and then I was like, no, I can't skip it. And I was like, okay, since I'm tired, I'm just going to talk about sleep schedules for four minutes. That video has 85,000 views. <laughs> Nobody gives a crap that the the quality is less. I think they would give a crap if like consistently – the quality started being bad, yeah. but the odd thing like that, they don't care. So, so start out, like I said, that that fitness dude just talking in front of a crappy camera with one ring light. Now, for your YouTube videos, and this is one a lot of people probably question. Maybe you're still trying to figure it out. How does it work for your target market when you put in like the hashtags or the the people you're targeting, entrepreneurship or whatever? Do you have that figured out? Mm, well, I don't know if it's figured out because nobody knows the algorithm but yeah. I, I mean i've definitely got some little tricks i do so one thing, the I tricks. Noticed, one thing i noticed a lot of channels doing in any genre is after the title on every video they would put dash like in the, in the name of their show so like cat icarus would be like my top 10 games that have caves in them dash cat icarus you know just so if anyone searches that i guess they came up i don't know what the 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 convention for that is but i was like oh well my channel's name is college info geek so if i do that the word college will be in every video ah so i have to like work to fit the word college into my videos it'll just be there and i have no i'm sure the engineers at youtube are smart enough to be like dash something equals a show title so maybe give it a little bit less of a ranking who knows there's you know there could be any number of things but i'm like okay that's probably a smart thing to do um one thing i want to mention here is like Anything that I do that works for me, I can point you to an example of somebody who does the exact opposite and kills it. So, so whatever works for that person. <laughs> just whatever works for that person. Yeah, I mean, Vsauce has the dumbest titles for his videos ever, and he has 9 million subscribers. So I think the only constant is you have to make really interesting, awesome stuff. And consistent. In some way. And yeah, consistency definitely helps. Any other tips on YouTube? <sighs> if you want to start a channel, I know I've talked to you about starting my own channel. What... What other tips can you give somebody if they are going to do a YouTube channel? All right, I'm going to give you a few just like rapid fire here. Yeah, rapid fire on me. One, your thumbnails need to be good. And when you design them, zoom them out in Photoshop so they're as small as they would be on YouTube. In fact, I have a a Photoshop document I've created where I just screenshotted my channel and I screenshotted a results page. And then I have a dynamically linked little box where I can import the latest thumbnail I'm working on and see how does it look in comparison with other videos that are going to come up in search. So I do just like make sure that 
things are readable on it. It's re- like the contrast is good between the text and my, my face. So it doesn't even have to be text, but that's the convention I use. Um, don't start your videos with like a stupid corporate bumper. It's like boom, bam animation, Brandon's cool channel. Like just start talking. Yeah. Just if you want to have a, like a little lower third or if you, or if you want to have a bumper after you say the initial hook, you can do that, but you have to hook people's interest within like the first three seconds. Cause people will click away so quickly. Um, the watch time on your channel and the average time people keep watching your videos are probably the most important metrics. So I try to design my videos and I'm not always like uber deliberate about this, but I keep it in the back of my mind to have little hooks in the beginning half of the video that keep people curious all the way through. So it's like later I'm going to tell you about this cool thing that led me to bury treasure in the Isles of Aruba. And now I'm the king of some country or something like that, you know? So they, so they keep watching. until they and I've noticed like a lot of creators, they'll have a the little end card at the end of their video, which I do recommend having because you can link to another video or you can tell people to subscribe or whatever. Um, after the end card, they'll put a little like a blooper or extra thing just to keep people watching the whole time because that watch time is very important. And I haven't done that yet, but that's one thing you can do. So, well, you already – I learned a lot of stuff from you on the YouTube area, which is great. And eventually, once I get time, I'm going to create my own YouTube channel as well because it's a lot of fun to do videos, man. It is fun. I mean, it it gets tedious after a while. There's definitely tedious parts of it, but it's still it's still fun. My favorite part – I mean, I think my favorite part is just getting feedback from people. But my favorite part of the creation process is anytime I have occasion to do something new that I could not do before. Learning. So if you try oh my things. gosh, I just figured out how to create this After Effects template and I have this awesome like wiping text box that comes up and there's like a map scrolling in the background, but it's not scrolling outside the box. Like I never knew how to do that before. Just learning those cool things. What, what, do, but, you, uh, what, what do you see for YouTube? What changes do you see in the YouTube industry? The changes I see coming and a lot of people are anticipating this and not liking it. They think and i would i tend to agree that youtube does not view sites like vimeo as their competitors youtube sees sites like netflix and hulu as their competitors going forward in the future because that's what people are watching every night people are gluing their eyes to netflix and hulu for hours at a time youtube's like we want people to do that to our site so a lot of people are worried that youtube's gonna start bringing in a lot more Hollywood content, a lot more long form uber professional content. And the thing is like YouTube has always been a site that's about creators making a very intimate connection with their audiences. Yeah. Vimeo doesn't do that. Vimeo is more like video, like long video site, yeah. like filmmakers put up your stuff. There's like not really an emphasis on comments or likes or anything. And YouTube's like, Hey guys, What's going on? Put a comment down below if you also feel like you really want some canned cheese right now because I'm hungry. Like That's kind of what YouTube's always been about, and the creators love that interaction with their audience and vice versa. And uh, So I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll see. I mean, as long as we adapt as it goes, things will change faster and faster as years go by. That's the thing. Yeah, I think there's a huge temptation to – to like look at YouTube as your sole platform because a lot of people use YouTube as their entire platform. And it's, it's cool because it does give you that connection to your audience. Once you get video, some traction, video boom. is everything, but you gotta, I really think you have to uh, temper that temptation with a focus on, I need redundancy and I need to build my business on a platform that I control. 
So exactly. It's one of the main reasons I continue to podcast and I write full articles for my YouTube videos and I make sure I keep all the files. Um, one thing I want to do at some point, I haven't gotten around to it yet is create an RSS feed. So if like people are in a school district that blocks YouTube or something, they could just download my videos from the RSS as a podcast. And, you know, I love YouTube, but I don't want to put all my eggs in the YouTube basket because I don't know what they're going to do. And because I know while they have my interests at heart in some ways, my interests are not their interests. Like they don't always align and they're going to do what they need to do at the end of the day. And it might not always support me. I agree. Well, you've, You've covered everything, I mean, in YouTube world, which is awesome. You're obviously the expert in it. We've got about 10 minutes left. Let's go into some things. I have some more questions for you in detail. For one, you had paid, I saw on your blog there, you paid off $15,000 in college debt in six months before you even graduated. For anybody in college right now, I mean, I got, I know what the college debt feeling's like. Uh, what did you do to pay off that college debt? What advice can you give to others so they can get it paid off instead of doing the 10-year plan where you're paying $300 or more than rent a month for college. Yeah. Well, I mean, so the general principles are find ways to decrease your expenses and find ways to increase your income. So I'll, I'll tell you the specific ways I did that. Uh, let's talk about decreasing expenses first. So I only took debt during my first two years of college. And then after that, uh, all throughout college, but after that I kept applying for scholarships throughout college. A lot of kids stop after high school, but there are a ton of scholarships out there for uh, college kids. And I got one through my internship. I got one for, I got two entrepreneurship scholarships and I use those to uh, not have to pay for dorms anymore. So actually the beginning of my junior year, that first semester, I was an RA, which meant that I got free room and board. So I wasn't paying for meals. I wasn't paying for uh, my room and board, and I got a stipend as well. So my living was free. Wow. My living was paid for. And the RA job, I mean, I had to do like mail duty. I had to make sure I was in the dorm to deal with things. Like there was work to do, but it wasn't like, it probably wasn't as many actual hours put in on the job as I was getting. What, for what apartment were you? What? Uh, I was in, uh, I was in Lion, which okay. was a dorm. I was okay. in the honors hall, which was. I, I was in Helzer Hall, and I would have been your worst nightmare because I know my RA hated me. That was um, back in my crazier days. But <laughs> I actually, so I think the things that drove me away from being an RA were one, the like just needless paperwork and busy work stuff oh, yeah. like the, like the department puts on you. But I mean, every school does that. And then the I just wanted to be around my friends more, and they all lived in the apartments north of campus. So I was like, I gotta get out after one semester. But uh, I feel very lucky that I got an honors hall because my kids were just the best. Well, they good. were self-organized. They, they everyone had basically every kid in the hall was an officer in some position in the hall, like recycling officer. We didn't have a recycling officer in my dorm. <laughs> we had like president, treasurer, and everyone else just like sat around. And you could barely get them to come to a house meeting. Our house meetings in Lyon were like everyone was there. Everyone was on fire. Like it was so traditional and everything. It's crazy. So let, let's go uh, back. But I spent all that money. Let's go back to the money, uh, and I was never good at this. Uh, what advice can you give to somebody that is looking to get scholarships? Like, where do you reach out? How do you write? The, I mean, how do you have success with getting scholarship money? My, uh, the way I always succeeded was local scholarships. You know, I applied for like every Capex, Zinch, and uh, Fast Web scholarship I could find as a high school student. I never got a single one of them. 
but several local ones either put through local businesses or university ones. I got those. So my general advice is like do interesting things that make you an interesting person. Do your best to keep growing and and progressing and make sure you're able to show that progress in some way, whether it's a portfolio or a great resume or a great essay that tells a story, not just like list your team, it tells a story, um, you know, makes it interesting. Or if you have like a website that you build with a portfolio on it, that all really helped. And I got all these scholarships. And so that's, that's one way that I was able to decrease my expenses, pay for my apartments for the last one and a half years of college. And then I saved a bunch of money from my internship. So I was making like $15 an hour at the internship. I lived at my parents' house. Yeah. So I'll save all that money. Um, when I was an RA, I had a second part-time job. So I got an extra 10 hours a week on top of that. And then I was doing freelance web design. So I was getting some money from that. And then eventually in my senior year, my website after two and a half years of running it, I think finally became profitable. Wow. So and while uh, you're in college, which while I was in college. Yeah. So I mean, but the website that was like, there was thousands of hours of work. Hey, so it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, so like I would never tell somebody, oh yeah, start a blog if you want to make enough money to pay off your debt because I put in probably, if you were to say, if you were to like say, oh Tom, did you work full time on that? Like if you say you worked 40 hours a week on that, how many years of work did you put into that? I would say like probably four full years because I was working more than 40 hours a week. I was like in class writing blog posts, like staying up at night writing blog posts, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. What, the blog post you did, uh, how do you – and I, I love blogging because like you said, you have ideas and you just put your thoughts to the world. Uh, mm-hmm. What tips do you give for any blogger out there for getting SEO? I mean basically making so people – your searches come up on the top. When you're writing your blog, what tips, little techniques can they use? Uh, <laughs> my only tips and techniques are like you can – you can pay attention to SEO blogs like Moz, M-O-Z. Yeah. And you can, uh, the thing I always did is I went to the really successful sites and I looked at their source code and I was just like, oh, on the homepage, your blog's title is an H1, but on all articles, your blog's title is a P because the title of the article is the H1 and you only want one H1. So I mean, like those are little tricks you can pick up a long way, but the principles are going to get you so much farther. And the principles are write interesting things that that cover a topic in a different way than people have done before or do it better or do it you know, with more jokes or whatever and make connections with other bloggers, they will share your stuff. Because at the end of the day, the number one driver of getting you search results is that other people link to your stuff and people are looking for it. People are going to it. Link into a lot of uh, high traffic sites. Continue. Yeah. To- yeah. I mean, I don't think it's as simple as it used to be. Like it used to be like, if you could get backlinks, then boom, you're, you're, you know, you're on the top page of Google, but like their algorithms are so smart now that I am not an SEO expert. I'm, I'm not even an SEO novice. I literally, <laughs> just, I literally just write things. And I felt that maybe with YouTube, you know, one benefit was like uh, the reason I started writing full articles for my YouTube videos. Cause at the first, like probably 30 of them, I just wrote like a brief, brief introduction. Like in this video, I'll teach you this. And then, uh, eventually I think after I started scripting my videos, I was like, well, I have the whole script. I can write a whole article. And then like the light bulb clicked. Oh, if I had the whole article, that means every word I say in the video is now in text, which could be searchable, which could be indexable by Google. So, and then I can use that to link to other articles on my site and just kind of make a better site. Uh, and then like just the other day, the light, like another light bulb clicked. 
IGN and GameSpot have been doing this for years. <laughs> yeah. They have their video reviews on YouTube, <clears throat> but the whole thing is verbatim written out on their site as well. And I'm sure like a crap ton of people watch it on YouTube, but there is still value in writing out that review. You know what it's I get from things. you talking is basically after looking at other sites that do the same thing you do, you're learning from their techniques. So anybody out there, like when you're, yeah. you're doing blogs or anything else, like just look at people who have already done what you want to do and just kind of mimic their way in your own little way and see, yeah. see what they do. If you're going to be successful in this, you're going to spend hours. You're going to spend a whole night sometimes just steeping yourself in like, why does he have that element padded four pixels more on this side than over on here? And like this, the like dumb stuff like that, you know, there's going to be a ton of stuff that isn't even useful, but you're going to, it's like, it's like tea, right? You're steeping yourself in this culture and you're yeah. going to pull out useful things. Exactly. So let, we got a few questions. And before we go here, I have some quick questions and I'm just curious how your answer come to this. First off, what would be the top three books you would suggest to other people? Well, what do they want to learn? <laughs> just all time of books that you just stick out in your mind for success or anything, even if it's in podcasting or if it's directly towards YouTubing. What, which ones come to your mind? I always give – my friends make fun of me for this answer. So one of my favorite books, and it, this book changed my life, but it's embarrassing to say because oh, – actually, I'm, not, I'm just not going to care. It is a fan fiction a Harry Potter fan fiction called Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality. And I always had this... Uh, this <laughs> that is a first. <laughs> I always had this view of fan fiction as like stupid teenage girls writing like, oh, Draco and Harry made out while wearing black eyeliner and listening to My Chemical Romance. And a lot of it is that. But somebody recommended this book on Hacker News where all the smart Silicon Valley tech people hang out. And I was like, you're recommending a fan fiction on Hacker News? And you said it was one of the best books you read this year. So I read it and it's a dude who's like this really smart artificial intelligence researcher who also happens to have written like the largest and most complete series of articles on the internet about the art of rationality and brain heuristics and stuff. And he's just like, I'm going to take Harry Potter and put him in a situation where he is trying to be rational and uh, apply the scientific method to magic. And basically this story is going to be my way to trick people into becoming interested in rationality and, uh, you know, brain science and stuff like that. And that's exactly what it did. It's like, it's a amazingly, I don't, I wouldn't call it amazingly well-written. It's not like Jane Austen level literature, but the plot is just brilliantly interesting and what other books hilarious. For- and then I got into reading stuff like thinking fast and slow by Daniel Kahneman and I've got Dan Pink's Drive on the shelf. I haven't dig, dug into that, but Good like book. Yep. those things I'm really interested in. And it was all because of that. So that really got me interested in things like that. I don't know. I really like I really like uh, reading into history and just kind of like making cool connections. So I'm not going to recommend like business books. I think like everyone on your podcast will probably do that. Yeah. So I'm going to recommend Discoverers by Daniel uh, J. Borston. It's like one of the most one of the most interesting history books. Just chronicling the passage of time in human history, but uh, but looking at our greatest inventions. And it starts with clocks in time and like just kind of making this realization that for most of human history, there was no segmentation of time. It was more like a waterfall, like waterfall just flowing. And then we have now broken it down into these ticks. And that was never that was never natural. And it was just like so cool to learn about these things. Uh, so I'm going to recommend that one. And let me look back on my shelf here. Uh 
I don't know. There's so many you good ones. Got a lot ones. of books there. Yeah. I know. I have a lot of really good books. So. Well, that was a first. I guess I've never heard uh, the books you suggested before. So you definitely gave a different insight to the audience. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're a college student, there's a book called Debt Free You by a guy named Zach Bissonette. Uh, that book is fantastic. Well, that so, that leads my to it without any debt. Read that. That that goes to my next question. My last question: What would be your top tips that you would give to a college student right now? Uh, any kind of advice if you look back on everything you've learned? And I mean, that's obviously your target market. What tips can you give them? Mm. I feel like if you, top tips are always going to be like anecdotal and more general. Advice. But I mean, my top tip, my top advice is just, okay, one thing that I did as a college student early on is I tried to pad my resume out and I tried to do things that I thought other people would think are impressive. And I still fall back into this sometimes. I feel, I still like find myself in this trap of thinking like, oh, I need to design this YouTube video so more people will find it impressive or whatever. But in college, I was like horrible about this. I joined the computer advisory committee where I helped make decisions on whether or not the campus like IT department should buy a new server. And I, I was on the committee that helped to reinstate students who had, uh, you know, gotten lazy and dropped out and then like wanted to be reinstated. Like I joined all these committees and like, sure, that looks impressive that you were like sitting with professors and stuff. And I, I don't want to say like to never do stuff like that, but I think I did too much of it. Yeah. And I, I waited too long to really dig myself in to a pursuit that is useful, that is marketable, but that also I was really interested in. And like, what if I had used that time to write another article or learn a new design technique or something? Like I could have been that much further in. Uh, Cal Newport wrote this post on Tim Ferriss's blog called The Superstar Effect. And he might reference it in his book, How to Be a High School Superstar. I think he does. About this kid who got into Stanford and he didn't have perfect grades at all, but he had spent all his time after school like setting up this green energy initiative project. And the, the, the people who were admitting students to Stanford thought that was super cool and super out there. And they were like, all right, we have all these people over here have perfect grades and they did ballet and they volunteered and whatever. But like, we have this one kid who did this like, really cool thing. And he was like the best at that thing because he's the only one who did it. So I don't know. Just if you have something – that you're interested in and you focus you, more on that area. You know, yeah. It's not something stupid. Like I'm really interested in picking the jelly out between my toes Then really focus down on it and don't worry about like, Oh, I don't have as many clubs on my resume Yeah, because well, well it, dude, you, yeah. you've, uh, you've gave a lot of great advice, especially for a college student. I wish in college, I didn't even listen to podcasts or anything at that time, but, uh, it'd be definitely one for, I'd want people to listen to, but where can people find you, your YouTube, uh, Twitter, anything, so they can learn more about you. Yeah. Collegeinfogeek.com is the hub for everything. If you want to listen to my podcast, it's just called the College Info Geek Podcast. So I'm College, assuming you're probably listening to this on a podcast app. So you can just search it. Yeah. iTunes everywhere. And it's co College Info Geek, not Greek. I screwed that up before. <laughs> <laughs> I've had people do that before. I was not a Greek person in college. Like okay. I didn't do a frat or anything like that. So. Me either. Uh, so I remember we toured a frat, and one of the things they told us was like, "Yeah, every Saturday night, one of the brothers has to stand at the top of the stairs to like make sure everyone else isn't getting too rowdy." And I was like, "You want me to pay to be a babysitter?" No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> well, hey, man. I'm sure like frats have good things about them, but that just like turned me off. Uh, yeah, and then like Twitter, I'm Tom Frankly, 
And I mean, you can find everything else from my site. Well, well, we'll list it all in the notes. Again, thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate all your content and definitely will be catching up soon. And in the meantime, everybody, go out there, create something great and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brandon T. Adams. Have a great day, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the show with Thomas Frank. A lot of great stuff. Dude, I learned so much, especially from launching my own YouTube channel. Gave some great tips, and especially for me in my own blogging world, you can take that own advice. And then if you're in college, dude, check out his site. It's collegeinfogeek.com. Some great quality content. He's doing weekly videos on his YouTube channel, and he's just providing all kinds of value. And it just goes to show that if you provide value in your own business, free value, content people can use, you can build a very profitable business, and he has done that. So please check out his stuff great person and i'll be hopefully jumping on his podcast show here in the future to talk about crowdfunding now if you haven't done so already check out my new site keys to the crowd.com check out we have a course there and we're helping people with crowdfunding right now with john lee dumas we raised i think two hundred twenty thousand dollars right now uh, at this point it'll probably be by the time this airs up to three hundred thousand for his book the freedom journal check that out you can go to thefreedomjournal.com it'll direct you right to the kickstarter page a lot of great value there and if you're looking to do crowdfunding i'm your guy give me a call text me 563-880-8632 give you some free advice and help you with your own crowdfunding whatever it is you can literally raise money for anything with crowdfunding so that is it for today's show i hope you enjoyed it and in the meantime go out there create something great and become unforgettable because life is too short not to I'm Brennan T. Adams. Have a great day, everybody.